Hey, it's Greg Stanley. As a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hello, car enthusiasts. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. This week is kind of a catch-up week. I'm going to cover a bunch of stuff that's happened or kind of updates to some of my previous podcast episodes. So if you'd like to go back and hear the whole story... Uh, feel free to jump back, and uh, we're going to go all the way back to episode number three. So stay tuned. A couple updates from this past weekend. It was the big Auburn weekend in Auburn, Indiana, where we had the big RM Sotheby's auction. And there was a couple cool things that happened. Our previous guest, Dave Leinbach, sold his 65 cars at no reserve. So how did that go for Dave? Well, it went pretty well. They they sold within the estimate provided, so he was one happy camper afterwards. And I have to tell you, it was pretty interesting because, think about it, if you're selling all of your cars, basically, at no reserve, meaning they could go for low or they could go for very high, and I know like the first two out of the gate went lower than expected, and I'm sure if I were Dave, I'm sure he was sweating a little bit, but then some went above expectation, some went mid-estimate, so it all worked out for the best in the very end, and I did sit in the Buick Century Limited that I mentioned in a previous podcast, one that I had during college, that was stolen. (laughs) And so I sat in that car with only 18,000 miles on it just to relive my childhood or I guess my collegehood. And that was really cool. That car went for, I think, $6,500. So uh, all in all, it was a great time for Dave. He was able to liquidate his collection. Very happy with the results. Now, if you have been following me on social media, you'll know that I helped a widow sell her her late husband's 58 Cadillac Baritz convertible. So really rare car. And this was fun. This was one that was kind of linked out of Cars and Coffee. And I met the lady, and she's a super nice lady. And the car had been sitting for 12 years, and it was in a small garage covered in dust. Now, follow me on the Collector Car Podcast, and I'll post a before and after here shortly. But that was one of those iconic moments when you open the garage door, and you see a very rare, iconic car covered in dust. And it's like, well, what do you do? So she was able to get it up and running with the help of a local mechanic. A lot of work was needed. A new gas tank, new brake lines, uh, the carburetor had been, had been gone through. A lot of things had to happen to get this car to cross the auction block. And what was ne- neat is the estimate was forty-five grand to fifty-five grand, and this thing sold for eighty thousand dollars, eighty-eight thousand dollars all in. And she was so excited that she was actually interviewed for a local news station uh, during the weekend. So I'll have that in the description here. So if you want to watch her YouTube interview, which is pretty funny. Uh, just go to the description of this episode and you can click on the link and watch it. So now let's go back in history here and revisit some of the interesting kind of uh, things I've covered in the past. Now you'll notice if you see my podcast artwork, it has Seinfeld, Paul Newman, and Steve McQueen. Yes, that is a little bit of clickbait because who would not want to listen to a an episode with those iconic car guys in it? So here's the updates. So we'll start going from the oldest episode to the newest. We're not going to do all of them. We're just going to do a few of them where I do have some updates. So in my third episode, I talked about Seinfeld's lawsuit. So he apparently had bought a Porsche uh, 356 Speedster. I think it was a Speedster. 
Uh, or it might have been a 550 Spider. Anyways, he bought it from EC, a reputable uh, Porsche dealer. And then he had it for so long, and then he sold it, made a little bit of money on it at the Amelia Island auction. And the folks that bought it, Frico Fria, I believe, another LLC company, they took it to their Porsche expert, and their Porsche expert said that it was not the real deal. So they decided to sue Seinfeld. Seinfeld decided to sue EC because they told him it was one thing, and it turns out it's not. So nothing's really happened. It hasn't been settled. Uh, what's interesting is that EC tried to have it thrown out, basically saying that something to do with uh, having a customer in another state, they're not liable, when in fact the car actually stayed in California since the time that Seinfeld bought it, even though he lived in New York, he kept it in California. So that was thrown out. Uh, so it's still going through the co courts at this moment. Now, when I was researching this, it turns out another actor, not comedian, Brian Austin Green, a number of years ago, he sold a Porsche 356 Speedster that he thought was legit and had it checked out by a Porsche expert. And then when he sold it, the new owner took it to another Porsche expert who said it was not legit. It was not the original engine. So it's interesting. There's two celebrities with two different Porsches where they had experts review it, said it's a great car. Then when they sold them individually, the new owner had a Porsche expert review it saying it wasn't a great car so it just shows you how complex some of these high dollar sales can be especially when you get into the provenance of cars and how important the originality and documentation is for these cars now the next episode i'll go to is episode 10 oh, i'm sorry before i go to that i did want to mention at one of the early episodes i mentioned jay leno and his mclarens and i made the prediction that he would buy the mclaren speed speed tail as his next mclaren purchase and I was not correct. As far as I know, he has not bought that Speedtail. So that's that update. Uh, episode 10, we talked about a Chevrolet Cheetah. So as a recap, this was a car that I was having dinner with some friends, a friend that knew me for years as being a big car guy. And I said, you know, I hear there's a 1965 uh, Shelby GT350, an original one somewhere local. And my buddy said, well, I know where that car is. I'm like, well, you've, you've known me for like eight years and you've never told me about this car. Anyways, it was a friend of his mother's, and he didn't have, he had a name and an address, basically, no phone number. So I did all the legwork. I was standing outside the front door of this guy's house, and I just couldn't ring the doorbell to say, hey, do you have an old car in the garage? I just never could. And then it showed up in Hemmings like a couple weeks later, and it turns out it wasn't a GT350 that was in that garage. It was a Cheetah, very rare. I think they only made 23 of these cars, and this was the most original, unrestored one ever made. And this one sold at a one-car private or public auction for like $720,000, a whole lot of money. Now, the man who bought it, unfortunately, uh, passed away, and it came up for sale at Mecham's Indianapolis sale. So if you go onto my Instagram feed, you can see the pictures from when it was at Mecham. I believe the estimate was, I want to say it was four fifty to five fifty, and it was a no-sale at one fifty. So obviously... The $711,000 was all the money in the world, and it was a no-sale at $150,000. So what's the update to that particular story? Well, first off, it didn't sell at Mecham two years ago, but apparently it did sell privately to Colin Colmer, who is a world-renowned automotive journalist and has his own cool collection of cars, I think up in the Wisconsin area. So that is the update. It did find a home. 
Uh, let's see. The next one is episode 11, Paul Newman. So going to the Paul Newman 911S, 1974, as a recap as far as what this one was all about. Uh, when my dad lived in Holly Springs, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta near Canton, every time I would visit with my wife and we had family time, I would always pass by this shop that had like just a gravel driveway. It was kind of a dump, you know, it had chain link fence, just you would never think anything of it, except every once in a while, there's a really rare car outside. There was a, a Mura one time, uh, Jaguar, you know, uh, uh, X, I'm sorry, um, E-Type. Uh, so anyways, I always wanted to drop by that place. And one time, I finally had a chance to, and I go in there, super nice guy, and he says, well, you got to check this out. And he takes me into the back, and sure enough, there's Paul Newman's 911 S from 1974 and at the time I saw it it was an orange primer and being worked on getting ready for paint now I think these pictures are posted on Instagram as well anyway so I, I uh, he was working on the car and at this time it's about the time that Paul Newman's Rolex watch sold for 18 million dollars and his Porsche 935 race car sold to Adam Carolla for 4.4 million dollars so when he put it up for sale, he he said, hey, if you can find a buyer for this, I'll give you 5%. And he wanted a crazy number. It was like $4 million. Well, that was way too much money. No one bid on it. And then a while later, I saw, ironically, it was at the same sale that the Cheetah showed up at Mecham, Indianapolis. It showed up. And it was painted. It was white with the racing livery of when Paul Newman drove it with a hot, like hot pink racing stripes. Um Anyways, it was there along with some of the other cars I had seen at this workshop. And I saw the painter and I asked him what happened. Well, the guy had passed away unexpectedly. And so they were liquidating the collection. Now, on this particular 911, the estimate wasn't $4 million. It was, again, like four fifty to five fifty, And it was a no-sale around $200,000. And so I kind of lost track of it. And then one of the uh, automotive podcasts I listened to is Adam Carolla. And sure enough, why don't you know it? Uh, about a year ago, it popped up on his podcast that Adam Carolla had bought Paul Newman's 911S, and it is the same exact car. So it's out in California, and he apparently took it to Bruce Canepa's place to have the engine reworked on. And if you go to YouTube, you can see uh, them start it up, and it's a really cool little car. And so he's racing it around in vintage races. So that is the update on Paul Newman's 911 that I found. Uh, episode 17, a preservation Corvette. I did find a preservation Corvette in my dad's neighborhood. He moved up north of Cincinnati, and it was snow on the ground, and the 69 427 390-horsepower convertible vet passes by, and I said, that thing's got to be original just by the way it looks. And so I tracked the owner down. It took me about a year because I, I was knocking on doors, and I could never find where that Corvette went to within the neighborhood. And a super nice guy, Jerry, he did want to sell it, so I reviewed the car, and it, was, it wasn't immaculate by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, rough paint job, but original paint job. You know, a lot of little chips, nicks, dings, whatever. And the door jam, the oil change stickers went back to 1971. Uh, extremely original, cool car. Dark green, four-speed, 427 big block. So really cool. And this was before I started consulting a little bit with RM, and I said, well, you know, I can help you sell it on Bring a Trailer. And so I did all the work, did the pictures, did the startup videos, did the walk-around videos, driving videos, and posted it on Bring a Trailer and tremendously complimentary comments from the peanut gallery, which does not always happen. Sometimes the peanut gallery can harpoon your car. Anyways, it only got bidded up to like twenty-five-five, So we were in the mid-30s, I think, 33, 34 grand. And so that car did not sell. 
And that car is still in his garage in my dad's neighborhood to this day. So if you know of anybody that is interested in a preservation class Corvette, go to Bring a Trailer, Google 1969 Corvette, look for the dark green one, look at the comments, see how awesome the comments are in support of the car, and uh, just shoot me a note if you would like to know more. All right, the next one I'll go to is episode 33, where I covered uh, two historic Porsches from the same collection. So this was Brent Fagan, a collector, really nice guy. He has a lot of Porsches, and he two of the Porsches he had uh, one of were notable. One of them was Jerry Seinfeld's, one of his first Porsches he ever bought, Porsche Speedsters, and we talk about that a little bit in the podcast. And the other one was a rare uh, 356. I think it had s or sc in the vin and it was like one of three factory race cars and apparently now it is in the porsche museum not on display probably in one of their back storage rooms anyways the update on uh brent is he pretty much liquidating his porsche collection i believe he has two 1965 911s left uh but super nice guys got some really cool automobilia uh so that's the update is he is liquidating a little bit there is a really nice 914 that he's going to keep as uh, his fun little car. All right, now episode 48, Steve McQueen's Bullet. This is where I did the deep dive in the data to find out what did I think it would actually sell for. And I believe I said around $5 million. So I crunched the numbers. I took previous Steve McQueen-owned items. I said, all right, here's what they should have sold for based on valuations. And here's what it actually sold for. I figured out the multiple of it. I kind of put it in the algonculator and I came up with what that Mustang should have sold for. So ironically, it was, I think 1.9 is what my initial projection was, but then I tripled it <laughs> because there's no way that Mustang was going to sell for 1.9. So it really was a swag. It was a throwing a dart at the board and it sold for, I think 3.7 million or so. So a lot of money. There's uh, rumors around in the automotive world that it actually sold to Dana Meekham himself. Uh, which I don't know if that's true or not, but he has a lot of amazing, incredible cars in his collection. I just happened to go to Bloomington Gold this last weekend, and three or four of the cars that were in the gold section, the iconic cars, were from their collection. So he likes Millers, he likes Corvettes, he likes Ferraris, and obviously Mustangs as well. And the last update I have for this episode is if you go to episode 079, Performance brand origins that's where i kind of went over all the performance brands or most of them and where they came from and what was really interesting is when i dug into the chevrolet zr1s uh, found out where the zr1 went came from where the 1le for the camaros came from and i made the note that there was actually a rarer option to the zr1 back in the 60s and that was the zr2 so higher level uh rarer they only, i think they only made 12 of these cars bigger engine and what's ironic is one of those 12 cars was at Bloomington Gold this last weekend. It was a 68 uh, with a 454, I believe, which struck me as odd because I didn't think that was available at the time. Anyways, I'll, I'll post the pictures on Instagram. Maybe it was a later year, but it was one of 12 ZR2s ever made. So uh, it was really cool to kind of do that research a couple weeks ago and then stumble across one of those cars uh, in person really took me by surprise and if you look at my instagram feed again i actually ran across a one le camaro right after that episode posted now unfortunately this one le camaro is in horrible shape and it's like a 1992 so it's not like one of the first year rare original one of 11 or whatever it was so it's cool but it's not worth much and it's not worth 
really probably saving, but that's the owner's decision, not mine. So what's coming up in the future? So I got a lot of things I'm working on. Uh, let's see, one of the episodes, it might even be next week, is I'm going to have an episode about, uh, I forgot what I called it, but basically, oh, when $3 million makes sense when buying a new Corvette, or when buying a $3 million new Corvette makes sense, and basically that has to do with Rick Hendricks of Rick Hendrick Racing, NASCAR fame. He will buy a Corvette serial number 001 for $1 million, most recently $3 million, at a nonprofit auction. Usually I think it's Barrett-Jackson. And I just wanted to see, when does that, how does that make sense? So I interviewed an accountant to find out, well, what are the numbers behind that? Why would, how much money do you need to make to where buying a $3 million car at a nonprofit event would make sense? Another thing I'm working on is I do want to kind of quantify how much Jay Leno's collection is worth. <laughs> That's going to be really difficult and hard. If you have a list of all Jay Leno's cars, please email them to me as I am going to have to do all the research myself on that one. So that will take a little while. Um, and then I'm also going to do a deep dive on basically is no reserve worth it. So when you sell a car at auction, they have the option for no reserve or reserve. No reserve, quote unquote, gets more eyeballs on it, has the potential to realize more money. And I'm just curious. I want to do the deep dive, especially when it comes to collections, to see if putting them at no reserve was worth it. And then another episode that might be kind of short because I don't think there's a lot of these cars, but I want to list the cars that you can actually drive upside down. <laughs> so these are cars that generate so much downforce, theoretically, you could drive them upside down. And then I'm working on a market trend trend episode for Mopars um, and Mustangs. So more cool stuff coming up. And on top of that, there's a whole lot of folks that I'm going to interview um, I did meet a lot of cool Corvette folks. I'm going to interview Kevin. I think it's Kevin McKay. He does. He is the L88 big block engine expert. And then I have the author of the new Duntoff, uh, Zora Duntoff book. He's going to be on as well. So some uh, other cool stuff will be sprinkled in the random ramblings of a car enthusiast. So as always, thanks for listening. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>